Hi, we're, we're the, the Mastelados, and you're listening to Progcast. Welcome back to another episode of the broadcast. And as you just heard, I have the wonderful opportunity to talk to Pat and Deborah Mastelotto, uh calling from the United States. Hi, how are you doing? We're doing, doing okay. Great. Great to talk to you. You guys, actually, Pat, of course, you are a member of King Crimson. You have been a member of King Crimson for a long time now, since 1994, and you are the third member of King Crimson to be on the broadcast. I had the pleasure and honor to talk uh, to Jacko and Gavin last um, fall, because they both had uh, new albums coming out, right? And yeah. now you guys have also a new album coming out, and that is called The Romantics Guide to King Crimson. Um, <laughs> were you surprised when you saw it um not that much because i mean the the, the title hark's back of course to there's been like box sets the young person's guide to king crimson and and a beginner's guide to king crimson and that would uh, i would assume that this originally came from benjamin britain's young person guide to the orchestra obviously that would would have been my guess. Um, so it it fit right in with the with the King Crimson universe. Um, <laughs> it, of course, it's something new, and I'm I'm very eager to to hear your um, yeah your story about this album, how this album came to be. As I I had the opportunity to listen to it already, and um, yeah, it's it's beautiful and it's 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 very intricate arrangements. And I believe you guys worked uh, the the whole of last year on it, right? Or most of it? Quite a bit, quite a bit. We yeah. started it before the lockdown, but but Pat couldn't tour. Yeah, we started so in home. 2019. So we were already starting this before COVID struck. And that just gave us more time. I mean, I've never been home this long <laughs> <laughs> uh, in, in my Adult, in, our, in my adult life <laughs> probably in your life in our relationship for sure i've never had him home this much for a, this continuous length of time it's been really fun i shouldn't i feel guilty saying that but we've you know we've nestled in i'm baking like a fiend you know making house a, smells like bread all the time <laughs> or I've, italian food i've perfected Mexican a lavender food. cheesecake and he's his studio is right upstairs and so while we were working on this, he could just say, hey, Deb, come up here. Let's work on blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, I want you to redo this one vocal. Or here, they sent the violin part. Listen to it and see what you think about it. Or, you know, we got to do that. You know, I don't know how many people get to make a record like that where it's you're completely accessible to the producer, to the drummer, <laughs> to the girl singer. And then we have the Internet. So... Um, yeah, uh, how did you did you come up with the idea in the first place? Maybe we let's start there. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it's an old observation uh, when you're touring with a progressive rock band, in particular King Crimson, that there are less women than men. Uh, you can see it from the audience. You can see it clearly at the uh, intermission if you go to the bathroom. <laughs> so uh, these are long-standing jokes, not just with King Crimson, but I think every prog, uh, metal prog, you know. So uh, I married Deborah in 2010. She first saw Crimson in 2008. We did a short tour with Gavin, uh, with with uh, Adrian still in the band. So it was a, a five-piece that year, 2008, and. Um, and she witnessed it herself. So we started to talk about that. And the fact that the music, that there's a lot of beautiful crimson music, but there's also a lot of this heavy, dark stuff. And um, it was just an ongoing conversation, really, for years. And, um, and what kicked it into high gear was about 10 years ago, we started to do a, a camp. Uh, there's the Music Masters Camp. It's up in the Catskills in New York. And they had done uh, 
Modesky, Martin Wood, other jam band types, Almond Brothers, and they uh, ask us if we'd like to do it. So what we do at that camp is we interact with those musicians, uh, about a hundred of them, and we realize that they're all great artists. They're just people, you know, they could have been the drummer in King Crimson, but he went a different place with his life. You know, different things happen to people. Get married, have kids. Yeah, different know. responsibilities. So um, most of them are, um, uh, I would say, well, uh, I would say well off. You know, they're people that have succeeded in life, but not in music, but they still love music and they want to come back to it. They're so this also crim heads, <laughs> if I use that term correctly. They're huge King Crimson fans. You would have to be, you know, Pat Mastelotto, you know, Adrian Ballou, you know, Tony Levin, and all the offshoots in the family. Marcus Roeder shows up, Julie Slick shows up for the, Marco Machera shows up. You know, we end up with these great musicians because of your love of King Crimson. And so the, our, they're musicians, but they're also huge Crimson, Crimson fans. So here's the part I was going to say kick-started this, was about five years ago at the camp, instead of just uh, playing Genesis songs and stuff like that, Tony Levin and his brother Pete started a jazz cafe. So they'd play some lighter, quieter stuff down in a different area. The camp is really big place. We have a big barn to work in. We have a roadhouse, like a bears, a, a bar, bears, <laughs> <laughs> raccoons, uh, but but also this little jazz cafe downstairs. And um, unbeknownst to me, Deborah had popped in there and she got called on stage to sing. So... Uh, she sang a couple pieces of the jazz night. People were telling, man, your wife's got a beautiful voice. We started when we left talking about that. She, uh, the campers often need a singer. <laughs> they had her do Kate Bush's part when they were doing Don't Give Up with Tony. So there was opportunities there where Deborah sang, and, and that led us directly into the conversation of uh, what if we made a record together and what if we address the issue of uh, women not uh, latching on to crimson as fast as men do? So. We had this idea of, you know, when you were young and you wanted to impress a girl and we used to have tapes and then went to Cassettes. CDs, Cassettes. cassette tapes, you'd make her a mixtape of romantic songs. So we had this idea in our head that we were going to create a mixtape of romantic King Crimson songs you know, people who love Crimson don't understand why no one else is jumping on board and loving them too, but sometimes they need a little help. And that's what this record is for people who want to give it to their wives or their girlfriends or their sisters or mom. their mom, mom. Or, and say, here, mom, these are King Crimson songs. You know, you wouldn't send mom Thrack. You know? <laughs> just to Thrack. So thrack. My, my father is a, is a King Crimson fan as well. And I had uh, uh, the, the honor to go with him to a King Crimson show in Stuttgart a couple of years ago, uh, which was beautiful um, to, to witness that with him together. But yeah, I, th that could be the thing that I could uh, uh, yeah uh, give to my mom. Um, going into the production and arrangement um, process, I mean, these, these arrangements are, are, are vastly different, most of them from, from the originals, of course. Um, so did you... Um, did you do the arrangement like at home and then pick your 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 instrumentalist from from these pool of of musicians that you met at the camp, or were they in any way involved in the arrangement process? They were very oh. they were very oh. involved, very involved. I mean, that's the blessing that Deborah was trying to describe that they're very intimate. Almost all of them are very intimate with Crimson's music. So subtle details we didn't even need to discuss. <laughs> so um, it was deliberate not to make the ar arrangements the same. There's no point in that. Uh, it was deliberate to avoid guitars, uh, you know, look for other avenues. Uh, we, we started actually by tracking here in this room, in my adjacent room, um, with, uh, with, with Marty, Chris, and is there a third? But anyway, basically as a piano trio, as a lounge trio. So we started to build up the arrangements there. Uh, 
but we took them as far as we could. And then I, I stripped them back and used those as a, as a skeleton to start rebuilding the tracks. Those were two or three of the pieces, uh, two hands. Uh, I'm not sure what else. Sort we of started like with Matakutazai, but we yeah. never finished Matakutazai until almost we were ready to finish the whole record. Yeah, Marco Makera is a good example. I'm not sure of Makera, Machera, but uh, uh, we'd already worked on a couple versions of Matakutazai, and I kind of wanted to find that lost highway vibe, that David Lynch with the low trombones, uh, you know, slow 12-8, smoky jazz cafe vibe. Um, and I expressed that to Marco, and then he sent me back some of the accompaniment, because I don't play any chordal instrument. So some of the tracks, many of the tracks, I started by slowing down uh, live versions or studio versions, and then I could play against that, and then we would have a, a drum, you know, a scaffolding that we could start to build on top of. And then with me changing the pitch so that it was something that I was comfortable singing, that changed the way it sounded as well. So you've got it slower and then you've got a different pitch and then you take off the guitars and it's a different song. Yeah, well, one, one uh, arrangement, one song where, where this, this lack of guitars I, I, I found quite obvious uh, was the arrangement of One Time. And I, and I had a little bit of trouble getting into it because I love the original song so much. Um, but, but yeah, these, these um, I mean, on the, the original song is already a bit of a slower and a softer song. And, and these, these guitars are quite delicate in the original. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the substitutes that you found with uh, um, Melotron and, and flute or what, what not, there's, there's a whole lot to, to, to uncover, I guess, in these, in these arrangements. I think that there's, there's probably a lot of instruments that you can like, yeah, you can listen to to the album a lot of times, and then oh, there's there. I just found another instrument, right? <laughs> uh, I could just say about one time that uh, there are no mellotrons on there. Okay. We're very lucky that, uh, in particular, um, there's a young man who plays bass, um, and he came to the camp and brought his parents, and his parents are part of the Houston Symphony. And she plays flute, and he she's plays first flute. Uh, she, and sorry, I think she's first chair. Yes, she flute. plays flute, and he plays uh, oboe. And when we expressed working with him on one time, uh, a Corin, the father, he created a whole oboe orchestra. Chorus. A chorus, if you want to call it that, I'll oh, call no, it oboe, oboe choir. orchestra. Oboe yeah. choir. <laughs> yeah. So he's multi-tracked himself. He did that at home, as wow. well as she. A lot of her performance at home. They have a home studio. As well as their son. Then, then they came here. This was pre-COVID, around January, February last year. Yeah. So we'd already, we'd already started before Christmas. And uh, and then when they came here for the weekend, it was great. He just stayed in his pajamas. It was <laughs> so know, fun. So, we had uh, the best weekend. Yeah. And besides working on the pieces we intended to work on, there was also an improv that became peace. Uh, that was the two of them uh, just improvising in the next room over. And, and, and capturing that on tape and using it later. And then their son, who's uh, oh, who's our guy from Primus, Les Claypool. He reminds me of Les Claypool, big, <laughs> tall kid and uh, great bass player. He ended up playing bass on one time and also on uh, Sleepless, which is, you know, that's an iconic bass line. We just threw it out the window and started with a different <laughs> approach to sleepless but that left him with the responsibility to come up with a with a, a a base part that you know rises to the occasion there but you know that's the that was the difficulty if you will with working with such beautiful songs i mean we got lucky because they were beautiful songs but some of them are already done very well like how can you reinvent walking on air like we tried and there's no way i mean there's no way I'm going to do it better anyway than Adrian, but even different wasn't as wonderful as the original. So with one time, that's why we stuck that spoken word piece from eyes wide open in the middle of it, you know, to give it a different edge, take the, you know, it, it's not that we were trying to do it better. Who's going to do it better than Adrian Ballou and King Crimson? No one. <laughs> so you had to make it different to make it interesting. I think. 
And that's why we went in that direction. But some of them worked uh, very, very well. When you're working with musicians who love King Crimson, invariably they'd keep saying- They want to play the old parts. Well, I know that Robert did X, Y, Z. And we're like, don't worry about what Robert did. You know, we want you to do what you would do here if you didn't know who King Crimson was and you had no idea, never heard it before, like- and, and it was hard to break the habit of listening to it, like you said, the way that you have loved it. So it's a, you know, we're making a request of the audience to, you know, put that on a shelf and listen to it as if you've never heard any of these songs before, because that's the way we approached it. That, that reminds me a little bit of uh, what Jacko said when I asked him how he approaches uh, singing in King Crimson, like, because all of the studio versions were different singers and said, yeah he, he just has i mean he he said he's his way of singing is already informed by all these singers because he was listening to it when he grew up and 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 uh, got into music and all that but when he approaches singing for king crimson in a live setting then he kind of has to forget how it how the original sounds to yes. to give his own voice a voice <laughs> that yes. makes sense yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard maybe to appreciate if you're not in the band, but there is baggage that comes with being in an iconic band with a 25 year history. There's a lot of expectation and there's a lot of uh, people that are really attached to a particular lineup or a particular song. So, you, um, Deborah, you just uh, mentioned uh, that you tried around with Walking on Air um but it didn't really work out. So, so you had some other, you tried with some more songs, but not all worked out. And this was like the, all, all those that worked out are on the, on the, on the album not right now. Of, not all of them. You, you, you still got some for, <laughs> for a follow-up. <laughs> you know, I, there was an event I went, the first time I ever saw King Crimson was 2008. And I'll never forget a show in Chicago. I saw when Adrian, that's the first time I ever saw um, Adrian Ballou sing on stage. And he did Walking on Air. And there was a woman, obviously a long-term fan, walked out like almost in a trance out of her seat up to the front of the stage and stood right directly in front of him while he's singing, tears streaming down her face. And security tried to move her and he wouldn't let them. He let her stay right there and sang it to her. And I was floored. Like it was such an intense emotional moment. And it made me really curious, what other King Crimson songs have that kind of emotional impact? You miss it sometimes with the cacophony and the time signatures and the amazing musicianship that the lyrics are back there, you know, kind of percolating. And so I kind of went on a hunt. <laughs> I would track down the lyrics to every song. I've got a whole collection of them and thought, are these lyrics that I could sing? And then I'd like, hey, Pat, what can you, <laughs> or he'd say, hey, Deb, you know what you might think about? And then he'd tell me to go and I'd go track down. a. So we've been doing this for a while, but that that's why it was that emotional moment. And I feel the same way now. I've seen so many King Crimson shows I've seen Jocko do Epitaph. I can't, we tried to, I can't do Epitaph. I mean, not, you know, the way he does it, I couldn't even find a way around it. It's on a, you know, it's on a list somewhere, but it never got done because of him, because seeing him do it so many times. That kind of needs a big voice. And I don't have a big voice. Yeah. I have a so, soft I mean, it, voice. It's no different with, with Deborah and her voice and myself and my drumming. I have my own limitations. So those, those box me into what material we can work with, things that I think I can be creative and, and complement. I thought this felt almost like a limitation. He's singing with the girl singer. He has to play slow. The drums aren't the main thing. <laughs> 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 that's, that, that, that's not weird at all. Really. I know, yeah, but it was really... Made a, a lot of records were, I mean, every record's a different a judge and jury, you know? It's going to go in a different place to a different audience. So I, I work with a lot of women back in... In the old days, days yeah, he did. It's been a while. So we, someone just introduced us with a, we're trying to figure out what section we'd go in in a record store and someone gave us this interesting lounge prog. <laughs> 
give us a definition of we a are genre. Yes, we now are, have lounge prog as a genre. I'm in. Okay. Yeah. Cool. We we can we can try to coin that term. <laughs> um, awesome. It's it's uh, really a, a joy talking to, to you about this music. Um, Pat, you you've been involved in in many other pro projects also um, for the last years. Um, yeah, mainly Stickman and Orc, I would guess. Um, they are obviously quite different to what you did here with this album. <laughs> um, so, what what is your what are your plans um, looking into the future? I mean, the future is uncertain in these uncertain times, right? Um, so, and and there, I think there were huge plans with with Orc, um supporting System of a Down and everything. Um, so, it, and yeah, the last I think the last um, release was la last year. You released another Stickman live uh, album in J Japan uh, with 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 Gary Husband, right? Yes. <laughs> So I mean, there's there's been a lot going on. Um, is there any other like any other studio um, project that you will dedicate your time to, waiting for the live thing to return? <laughs> okay. I'll bring you quickly, kind of up up to speed. Is uh, uh, yeah, Orc was very disappointed we couldn't do those gigs with System of the Down. It was attached another tour to that. That all went off the calendar. Uh, obviously all the gigs last year. The last gig we did play was uh, Stickman. We went to Japan. We were going to go to China and Japan for a tour, and it ended up just doing one show. Uh, Gary has been an incredible drummer, but he's also an incredible keyboard player, so he joined us on keyboards. If we had done the complete tour, we probably would have found a way to do some sort of double drumming. Um, so that was recorded, and that's just been released as a wari, uh, which means the end in, in Japan. Japanese, uh, really great record, very proud of it. Orc, we've been working on the record since almost two years ago. There's well over 20 songs there too. We probably had about 10 finished before Christmas last year. And then um, I guess it was even earlier in the fall. Then there was a short break and then the writing seemed to, to jump up a notch. So the last six or eight songs uh, rose to the top and some of the earlier ones have sunk away. So <laughs> The record is pretty much done. We haven't mixed it or completed it yet, but there's uh, the 10 tracks that we think make a cohesive record are all uh, 80, 90% done. Uh, a little bit. In the meantime, uh, recording goes on forever in my house. I'm never just working on one project. I jump back and forth whenever I hit a, you know, I don't know what to do. I'll just work on something else. Um, so I've done a record with Lorenzo Felicciate. Uh, he's an uh, Italian bass player. We had a group called Naked Truth for a while, which is sort of jazzy with Graham Haynes was on uh, and Roy Powell on keyboards. Um, and this we recorded at Bill Laswell's place a few years ago, did a couple records there. Uh, we've been inactive for quite a while. So that's just Lorenzo and I, and it's called Portal. It's only on Bandcamp, and we're doing more of that almost every day. And then when I was listening to Portal, I had an idea, like, how would it feel with a DJ, a disc jockey, like when you used to drive late at night? Uh, because we've taken some long trips, Deborah and I. We got a recreational vehicle, <laughs> what you might call a caravan. So we did some of the absorbing and uh, post-production thinking by traveling, you know, with our dogs in this. Long uh, drives. Long drives across uh, Colorado or Utah. Um what was I going to tell him there? Help me get back on. Oh, <laughs> about um, taking uh, one of your portal songs. Oh, and yeah. So I tried to be a DJ and then I realized this isn't working, but Deborah could. So Deborah plays the part of the DJ and there's two releases of that record on Bandcamp, the, the music straight up and the music with DJ. So the music's in a different order with different mixing and it feels quite different. It's much more meditative. Uh, people have commented when they listen to it, the Deborah version, you know, that, that it achieved its goal of making you kind of be, you know, on the long highway drive. It's almost like an audiobook, 
you know, it's telling a story with the music. A, a story about pe- listening to late night radio and being one of those people who listens to late night radio and what it feels like. The intimacy, almost like it's just between you alone in your room and this woman on the other side, you know, talking to you, basically. It's it's cool. It's one of my favorite things. We've it reminds me of Play Misty for me, if you remember that movie with Clint Eastwood or or uh, what was the other one, The Vanishing Point or something. But anyway, where there's a DJ involved, that's part of telling a story that he's uh, running parallel with, not not totally submerged in, but 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 they're. I don't know. I do this quite a bit. And there's a term I got to remember what it is. Frank Zappa uses where you lift things from other music and you emplace them almost randomly and see what events happen. Uh, so portal kind of does that the portal DJ version just by, by fate and coincidence, uh, you know, like when you put, did you ever put the wizard of Oz movie with the Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, and you think all the <laughs> synchronicity must have been planned. I don't think it was planned, you know. Uh-huh. Anyway, many other projects. I can't think what else we're we doing right now. Uh, I did a couple tracks for uh, Frost. There's a, a prog band uh, called Frost. I met those guys on the uh, on the cruise to the edge. Um, uh, I've been working with the Slovakian guitar player uh, David Kohler. We did a record called Comora. It's it's probably more appropriate to your station. <laughs> it's a heavy, dark record. Uh, and it's pretty cool. We've been working on some new tracks. And I was lucky to do some remixing, too. Stephen Wilson's, we sort of run parallel sometimes. And uh, he just recently offered to let me mix a couple remix, you know, not his, uh, for alternative mixes mm-hmm. for his new and we did some of that about 10 years ago, and he gave me permission to go ahead and put that out. So I just put that on Bandcamp a few days ago. I'll send you links to all this if it's you want. It's classic pack. Yes, yes please. Um, I, I will I will try to put the links to, to your Bandcamp and, and everything also um, in the description of the podcast and stuff. Because I, I, as I see it, you, you, you work a lot with Bandcamp, um, with, with a lot of your releases. We love Bandcamp. Do you know why? I mean, Bandcamp. They're cool, man. They actually pay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really have any interest in Spotify. I don't even use it at all. It's yeah, if of... you want to download or stream it, you can do it from Bandcamp. It's it's a great company, too. You should read about them. They're very I, I do get stuck with Spotify. I think yours is another one, right, where you're available on Spotify. Yeah. So when I went... We we are um uh, our podcast is available on Spotify also on Apple Podcasts and also we put it also on YouTube so of course also uh, we try to to get it to people who don't use Spotify um, but as we don't play the music on the show we have our accompanying playlist and for that Spotify is of course very convenient and easy to use to have the playlist, but of course only with the music that is on Spotify. Um, so I, I have seen on the Bandcamp page that um, so far three songs are available, like pre-singles to stream, to listen to uh, Two Hands and Matakuda's side, the, f- the first two songs, and the the last song, Sleepless, on the album. So um, this episode is going to come out on Thursday. Um February 11th and the album is going to drop on Valentine's Day February 14th. So if you're listening to this before February 14th, you can hear those three songs on on Bandcamp already. Um so w- will the album be eventually available on Spotify or will you keep it uh, Bandcamp only? Well, that's a good question. At the <laughs> moment, I said no to Spotify. Uh But I, I said no to Spotify. But not no to streaming. So yeah, you on. can still stream on Amazon yeah. because you have to, and and iTunes, and, and Bandcamp streams. And I'm it'll probably all change before too long. But when I was first, uh, just a few months ago, uh, you know Trey Gunn. Yeah, Trey, bass player. Trey has 7D Media. That's Trey's label. We're putting this out through Trey's label, and because he was interested and excited. <laughs> um, 
so Trey gave me that, you know, the option to put it. And I said, you know, let's let's not do Spotify and all that stuff. We can do it later. You can always add it. And we'll put more songs out. I don't mind the music being out there for free. Uh, I kind of mind somebody like Spotify making a lot of money off musicians. <laughs> that kind of makes me feel a little pissed off. Yeah. But as far as just releasing the music for free... I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I'd sooner people hear it than it just sit here in my house, you know, so I'll yeah. gladly send you copies and uh, give you permission to air them. Yeah. Awesome. Um, the, um, yeah, Bandcamp uh, is still doing the Bandcamp Fridays, just like last yeah. Friday. There was one again, I think it, yeah, it's all, always the first uh, Friday of the month. They started. It changes, it changes a little bit. Now it's maybe every other month. Okay, yeah, but you guys can go to the website is it bandcampfriday.com and then then it will say when the next bandcamp friday is and uh, it will come for sure uh, which is a cool thing where they waive their revenue um they started it last year when the first um lockdown uh uh hit uh, live musicians around the 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 whole world um and important dario for uh for younger musicians younger bands up and coming bands uh to have a, to have an avenue to release their music and a way to actually make some kind of money back from it absolutely and we we we, we do support that and we also try to also on the proc space also um yeah highlight Bandcamp. um the Bandcamp pages from bands, especially on the Friday, on the Bandcamp Friday. Um, I was going to say too, you know, Stickman, um, well, Marcus being German, you probably know, but we're very active. We have a tour plan for October uh, over in Europe. I don't know if that'll all come together or not. Uh, same tour we had last year, actually, <laughs> just all the dates ahead. Everyone did. Um, yeah. But, but Stickman is very active on Bandcamp and releases uh, a lot of our live shows and stuff that just doesn't have that big of an audience. But still, there are 30 or 50 or 100 people that want to hear those shows. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I would really love to see you guys like the, the in the Stickman constellation again. It's been like maybe nine years or so when I saw you here in Munich. <laughs> so. Oh, that might have been with Mike. Was it with Marcus or Quasimodo? Uh, I, I, uh, I, I think I think it was already with Marcus. Um I'm I'm not sure. I would have to to um to research a little bit and and uh, see if the second album was already out but my, my favorite is still uh the soup record with a firebird suite i have to say oh, I, love <laughs> I love that yeah, yeah firebird and soup uh we don't play those much anymore because that was before marcus was in the group yeah those uh two that i get requests for a lot yeah um, we we usually uh, we end this this uh, our interviews with a little section that we like to call "What's in your Walkman." Uh, <laughs> so we we ask our uh, uh, guests what they've been listening to lately. If there's anything they they want to uh, share with their fans, with our listeners. So is there is there anything that comes to mind? <laughs> you're making me start. Well, one of the things I've been listening to, um, and I started last year, really is girl singers who have soft voices like mine and things that they, um, different ways that they're handling it, like different treatments. I'm obsessed. There's a Goldfrapp album called Song of Us, Story of Us, that I listen to constantly. And I was just introduced to a group called Echo, where she does reimaginings of old standards. It's really interesting, kind of an alternative thing. Look at Pat. Everywhere he, look at this. Well, don't though. Okay. Well. Yeah. Pat, just just uh, grab the uh, uh, a huge stash of CDs. That's that's the disc man. <laughs> well, you know, everywhere he goes, people hand him CDs of their bands and things. And a lot of times he'll say, "Here, listen to this." So I'll take, I'll go for a drive, and pop. You know, you can, I still have a CD player in my car and listen to it. We have every way to listen to music in this house. Pat even has a, a tape deck 
Like he's got everything. That's because cool. you know, we have two turntables. Who does that? One <laughs> in our bedroom and one in our living room. But when it comes to just listening to a CD, I love to take a drive, a long drive. I can really, when we were putting our album together uh, and tried to figure out the order, we did that a lot. He would download uh, the running order in his phone and we'd just go for a long drive up in the hills and then come back when the sun is setting. And you really get a good feel for a record doing that, especially if the or of the order of the running order that way. Yeah, Dario, you haven't got the whole record yet. And I hope when you do, if you're that inclined to do so, that you listen to the whole thing in one chunk, because uh, I'm I'm an old guy. I still think of an album like that, that the, <laughs> the sequencing and the mood it wants to take you through. And that's what Deborah's trying to describe. We actually spent weeks uh, trying to just define, I mean, had it about 85% right immediately. But then little things like taking the intro off of a song so it joins up, even if they're not butt to butt, but so that they mesh better. So sometimes there were little surgical things like that, putting a little bit more music at the beginning or the end. A song um, or two. But just to try and catch the flow of, of a good flow for the record. <laughs> so what am I listening to my, my Walkman? Uh, not a Walkman. I'm listening to the stuff I'm working on. Always. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you can't, you're in my room. I've been doing Drumeo, which is an online drum class. So uh, Gavin's one of the teachers there. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> taken many of Gavin's classes because I get enough of that on the side. But uh, that I've been spending a lot of time with that. But there is a new record here. Uh, this one, <laughs> I can show you. How do you see that? Now, that is some of the campers, actually quite a few of the campers. And in fact, Wolfgang, I believe, is singing on this, a German man. Um <laughs> Hey, what do they actually call it? Colors? Blue, uh, burning, banging colors. It's called banging, banging colors. colors, and 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 I'll read you if I can the title of the record here: hallucinogenic treasures from the convolution of an imaginative brain. <laughs> it's the nineteen sixty-seven to sixty-nine compilation. So I'm not exactly sure what these guys did, but they made a very psychedelic sixties record, which may have actually been recorded in the sixties. I'm not sure if they're spoofing or not, because there's a very, very elaborate story in here about the band. And I think it's uh, I think it's a bit of make believe. But but these days, who knows? We'll, we'll have to do a little bit of research on that. Banging yeah. colors. I want to give a shout out to in so many of our songs, we got an opportunity to use an artist named Laura Scarborough. Now, she used to live in Austin, but she married a Dutchman and moved to the Netherlands. And she is a phenomenal multi-instrumentalist and she can sing. And you can really hear her beautiful piano part in um, Exile, but also her, you know, haunting vibraphone stuff. And I mean, she's really, and I think that fans of hers will be listening to your podcast, I think. So I want to be sure yeah, to talk Laura about Laura Scarborough. Her. She's great. And she she came here, not just with her keyboards, but with her little Frankenstein vibes, which there's a lot of, of vibraphone on the record. Um, and some of it, I, I have a, a bow, like a violin bow that I make for drummers. It's a cymbo. It's a little heavier a cymbal bow. And she started to use that on her vibes. So there's some really nice, uh, eerie sounds that you, you, you might think it's a theremin or which we've used in other records, yeah, it's on but Moonshine, on this record, right? she bows on Moonshine. She bows on, uh, well, in particular, Inner Garden. I think it's really beautiful one. Um, I have to send you all the tracks, Daria, so you can hear. And who's on it? Because Inner Garden um, is a bit more of a tango piece with an accordion. Well, it. Chris Christian Costantini, who is actually an Aritalia pilot, but also a multi instrumentalist, <laughs> and he put that accordion on Inner Garden. It's and he's. A, he's camper also here's a guy who gets a free flight every year he's a pilot <laughs> he comes to the camp actually uh, i i did get the whole album from from the pr agent so i so i so i did listen to the whole thing already and of course this the the, the accordion in inner garden is is something very very special that that sticks out that's also something i wrote down here actually 
I do have two uh, two little um, um, recommendations for the for the Walkman section as well. And that would be also two uh, female fronted uh, bands with new records. Uh, one is a, a young French band called Oblique. They put out their um, debut EP by the Shore on January thirty first, and last year I think it was their first single. Um, they um, released the song Indigo with a beautiful self-made um, uh, animated music video, which I absolutely loved. And I just um, saw today by accident that the EP is actually out in the meantime, that has been released in the meantime. So I, I will definitely check that out and um, we'll also put it in the Spotify playlist where I put a little some things uh, where we also can hear Pat Mastolotos uh, playing <laughs> that is on there. <laughs> um, and the other one would be a, like a random, random discovery from today, actually um, a uh, project called The Weather Station. And they released, a, I think it's the seventh album called Ignorance already on, Fe on February 5th last week. And... Um, there, the single was called "Robber" that I um, uh, discovered on Facebook. Some someone shared it, and um, I checked it out, and it fits right with the vibe of this um, uh, of this episode here. So these would be the two uh, recommendations from my side in the Walkman section for today. Um, I could I could <laughs> recommend your lizard. You know, you just had Lizard on here with Katie, so uh, they're a very good band. Not not soft, but a uh, very good band, and I know they have a connection through your interview. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to to the uh, whole album um, from Lizard. It's also coming very very soon, and we had them um, like two weeks ago here on the broadcast. Um, also, very very cool band, and I'm. Uh, I think when I when I interviewed them, I I did the research and went on Setlist FM to check the the when I saw them when when I did saw them live and it was uh, with both both times with Soen with the Swedish prog metal band Soen and then I saw that that you guys with Ork I think played here in Munich as well and I and I and I was not at that concert but I couldn't remember why I couldn't go. Um, I, I saw you with Ark uh, in Kufstein at one point, I think, uh, also many, oh, many years ago. Little tiny place. Yes. Little, tiny, <laughs> tiny, yes. <laughs> was, also, was also very, very, very cool um, and, yeah, intimate setting. <laughs> Mike's playing like that. Which of, um, on our album, if you heard the whole thing, which was your favorite? Hmm. As I said, um, one time I had a hard time getting into one time because I loved the original so much. But on fourth or fifth listen, I was like, "Okay, this is this is this is going somewhere," and and like it's finally getting to me. <laughs> um, I already we already talked about Inner Garden just now um, and the beautiful accordion there. It's like a little bit. Piazzolla vibe, I don't know. <laughs> um, I also, um, I mean, the, the opening double, Two Hands in Matacuda side, just perfectly sets the vibe. Um, and what I also liked is the the, the harp in Book of Saturday. Or, or what, is it a harp? <laughs> it's a harp. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but I had her record uh, herself separately. Uh, it's hard to explain, but usually you play a harp like this. Yeah. And he did that. And I said, okay, I'm going to move the microphones now. And I want you to just play this. <laughs> <laughs> and I want you to just play this. <laughs> I like to play it like so. Yeah. Now that, that producer. <laughs> I thought there were different ways to place that harp, whether it sounds like a little music box in the middle. Yeah. That's very small. Or in the beginning, I think it sort of sounds like an African uh, choral guitar, like a like a bass, an African bass being plucked. Um, yeah, so that, that, it fits beautifully. The, the The arrangements are fantastic, and um, I'll I'll be going back to this album quite a lot this year, I'm sure. Um, not now that you just asked me my favorites, I, I actually would like to ask you, Pat, if 
your favorite King Crimson songs from the from before you joined, from after you joined, and your favorite live King Crimson song? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, it's a huge catalog, and I'm 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 so intimate with it. I love it all. Uh, schizoid as a kid, cat food was the first thing I ever heard. Uh, cat food was like I, I need to hear more of this band. <laughs> I don't understand what they're doing, but I want to hear more. Um, uh, the Lark's Tongue and Aspic, Starless and Bible Black, Red. To me, that's the premier lineup. I mean, the original lineup was spectacular. And I love Ian Wallace, who, who played on several of the interim records, but uh, those weren't necessarily my favorite records. Um, <laughs> but uh, once they hit the 73, 74 band, fantastic. And uh, and then the 80s band, Discipline, is an incredible record. The, the whole record, uh, you know, as a, as a Crimson person, when that comes on, it's like, wow, it's, uh, it like, it went beyond achieving the goal, you know, it achieves something entirely different. Um, th those would be my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, favorite to play on stage every night. Um, level five. Uh, level five. Yeah. Level five is a gas to play. The, the parts are into, they, they're natural, you know, we yeah. And and you also you also played with with Stickman sometimes or off very often, uh, yeah. Right? Different with, the, with whoever is playing, it sounds different but the same. It's yeah. great. It's very interesting as as uh, I I find as whole albums. I mean the 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 catalog is huge, and I'm I have to admit I have not heard every single King Crimson <laughs> studio song there is. Um, let, alo let, let alone the bootlegs, and you'll never, you'll never uh, be finished with that. But um, I have to say, as far as, as whole albums go, um, actually the first and the last um, uh, are my favorites. Um, I mean, the quote and power to believe? Yes. Is that what you first and last? Yes. <laughs> They're good. It's the power to believe. I'm glad we got to make that record. Uh, would have been sad if we'd stopped with Construction of Light. Yeah, the the power to believe is so powerful. I don't know with, with like with so so kind of yeah heavy. Yet there's also some uh, like very beautiful parts in it. And um, as far as whole album goes, but but yeah, the 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 one song that's like above all all the others would be Starless. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Have you seen this incarnation yeah. live yet? Have you seen them do Starless yet? On the when you came with your father, um, it, it it was um, it was a couple of years ago. Um, so I'm um, um played it. We've only with this current version of King Crimson. I think we've only done about five or ten shows where we didn't play Starless. It's yeah. it's one of the songs that we we play it more than anything else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I ha I have seen it. I think it was it was either the Monkey Tour or one 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 after that. <laughs> the Monkey Tour where I'd never really uh, remember the whole title. <laughs> yeah, to unseat the uh, the Monkey Mind to unseat yeah the radical action to unseat the Monkey <laughs> Mind or whatever. Hey, dig this, Dario. Sometimes when we're working on music with Robert, a piece of music or just a fraction, a, 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 a chunk, might not be a whole song, just a, a modular piece, might be identified as radical action. And then another piece comes, it's radical action two, radical action three, four. Now, maybe tonight we're going to do radical action two, and then we're going to go to radical action five. I can't remember anymore. We did the same <laughs> thing with The Power to Believe was virtual circle pretty soon i can't identify the names and i'm in the band <laughs> <laughs> i have to write something else to to remind myself what that's <laughs> is called in my head uh maybe one last question um are you would would you would you uh like to get the band together if if it's possible, and make another studio album. Oh, you mean King Crimson? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Been a Mister Mister question. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't. I'm I'm not. Uh, I'm not chomping at the bit for that. I think uh, basically we have a great recording studio on stage every night. 
and a really good uh, good really engineers good, engineer. good you know um, some of those live records are so i mean most of them all of them are great and i have a couple of favorites you know that to me it's as good as listening you know the way they put the songs together and the pacing I don't know if you know this or not, but Pat doesn't get a set list until about two o'clock in the afternoon of the show. Like he doesn't, they change their set. Well, that's list the way day. when we work with Robert, some yeah. bands, some bands, you play the same show every night, but not this band. So it always, he wants it always to feel fresh and confusing. I think he likes, <laughs> he likes to throw the band members a little. Well, one thing I just remembered the, the weather station band or project I, I uh, mentioned they have two drummers as well, interestingly enough. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, I'm right. So that, that was like a, a, a second um, thing that matched this conversation here. Not only the, the, the female vocals, but also the, the two drummers. <laughs> all right, I think we could go on and talk about music all night long. Um, I mean, you, you guys still have the, the whole afternoon, uh, I guess. Here it's getting dark behind me. It's uh, almost six, six o'clock in the evening. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. It was uh, great fun talking to you about music. Um, thank you guys out there for listening. Um, hope you go on to Bandcamp and check out the Master Lotto's The Romantics Guide to King Crimson coming on February 14th, Valentine's Day. Take care of yourselves, take care of your loved ones, and listen to great music. The Progcast is a production of Stuus Media and is presented by the Prague Space. It is produced by Randy M. Salo, Janine Stengel Lewis, Blake Lewis, and Dario Albrecht. Our theme music is by This Is Not an Elephant, and Van Kirsch does our graphics. New episodes of the podcast drop every Monday and Thursday. And don't miss our Friday Top 5 episode where we discuss our favorite new releases from that week. For more interviews and reviews in the written form, check out theprogspace.com. <laughs>